This is Museum People, a podcast that celebrates individuals connected with the museum field by highlighting their work, passions, opinions, and personalities. In each episode, you'll hear stories and viewpoints from a variety of museum people, unsung workers to executive directors, volunteers to trustees, as they help change the world one visitor at a time. And now, the hosts of Museum People, Dan Yeager and Marika Van Dam. Well, Marika, the final episode of season three. Yay, season three, another one down. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like the finish line, sort of like crossing the goal line. Thanks, everyone, for sticking through <laughs> all of this with us all the way to the end. Can you believe three seasons? I mean, gosh, where's the time gone? It's huh? really nice. I'm glad people listen or yeah. else we wouldn't keep doing it. I've enjoyed uh, actually learning how to do this a little bit better, uh, how to interview people, how to edit. Thanks for doing all the hard work, on. Dan. Yeah, well, you know, you're, you're my collaborator, though, on this thing. So what do you have to say to everybody here at the end of the season? Sort of like school's out. Any, I don't, I don't know. It's, I think that or, it's we keep, we're going to keep doing the podcast until someone tells us we're doing a terrible job. Yeah. Um, but also until we run out of interesting people to talk to. Yeah, but see, that's the thing. And that's never everybody's gonna interesting. So great. Oh man, I'm already getting interviews for next season. It's so great. Yeah. So, so it's wonderful. Like, right. So today is really an interesting uh, interview with Nick Capasso of the Fitchburg Art Museum. Um, the Fitchburg Art Museum is doing some incredible things. Fitchburg, in a nutshell, is a, uh, Nick calls it a dying mill town. Mm-hmm. I say that's accurate. Honestly. Fitchburg, like many of our New England uh, mill towns, was a thriving place for a hundred years based on manufacturing and uh, over the course of time, those industries moved away. So there physically is this decay, broken glass, boarded up buildings, graffiti uh, in their downtown area, leading into the downtown area, the old factories standing idle. So um, it, uh, it is uh, sort of visually uh, like what uh, President Trump conjured up in his inauguration day, the tombstones and whatever. It just it has that feel, that look. And yet, great resources mm-hmm. that Nick had to build off of. Right. You know, when you think it, it sounds similar to Detroit, yep. you know, a, a city that has fallen on hard times, uh, a population that is gone, industry that's gone, but still has an amazing history. So a great historical society and a great art museum amongst other yeah. cultural organizations. And they're making it work for them. At least Fitchburg hasn't thought to just install a major league sports team to solve all their problems. Yeah, right. Well, you do, you notice that in some of these communities where they just have been casting about for solutions to their problem. And of course, in the 60s, the solution was let's tear down all of our old buildings and get rid of the blight just by bulldozing everything and then building in new. And that has proven to be not such a great idea, especially if you're transitioning into some place that is actually a great, desirable, livable community that's built around history, art, heritage, and so forth. Mm-hmm. So you think of places like Lowell, Massachusetts, for example, uh, that did not do that, and they call poverty the best preservation tool. Lowell, Massachusetts, for years, 
just didn't have the money. It wasn't, wasn't a magnet for development, so nobody really wanted to come in and bulldoze. It just was forgotten for a long time. And then they redevelop it into this wonderful historic d- destination that's capitalizing on its historical assets uh, now to be part of the revitalization. There are some other communities. I worked in Waltham, Massachusetts. They had enough money. They were located along Route 128. They were attractive to developers, and they tore down most of their historic buildings, and they just couldn't bring it back as a historical tourist, cultural tourism destination. You can't make that stuff up. People recognize it. Like You can't move out to the suburbs and that's then just feel like this is a cultural mecca it's not going to happen but also you can't you can't bank on tourism as a thing that's going to bring a city back i'm not an expert city planner but i mean you have to have the authenticity and want to make it better for the people who live there because then they're the people who will take pride in their community and make it a wonderful place yeah let's give a listen to your interview with nick all right and the director of the Fitchburg Art Museum in Fitchburg, Massachusetts. The Fitchburg Art Museum was the brainchild of a painter named Eleanor Norcross. Eleanor was born in Fitchburg in 1854. Um, She attended what is now called the Massachusetts College of Art and Design. Mm. She went to the Art Students League in New York and uh, studied under William Merritt Chase, And then, like a lot of artists of her generation in the 1880s, she decamped for Paris and basically stayed there. Hmm. And it um, was her idea to um, leave, through her will, money, her own paintings, and uh, artworks and works of decorative arts that she had collected in Europe to the city of Fitchburg to establish an art museum in her beloved hometown. Hmm. The museum was incorporated in 1925 and opened to the public in 1929. Okay. So what were the conditions here like in Fitchburg at the time? Big industrial city, right? Yeah, it was a very prosperous manufacturing town. It it was the proverbial New England mill town. Mm -hmm. Fitchburg um, created textiles, paper, uh, war industries, armaments, um, heavy equipment, bicycles, Everything. We made everything. Must have been a hopping place. (laughs) Apparently it was. It was. It was a a small, powerful manufacturing city. Um, You know, the Yankee mill owners. And then there were, uh, you know, Fitchburg's uh, labor market came from the wave of immigration from the 1880s through the 1920s. Italians, Finns, Greeks, Mm -hmm. uh, Germans, French Canadians. And they all lived in different uh, ethnic enclaves mm. within within the city. They all had their own parish church or two. Yeah, um, and 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 that's how it chugged along. Um, and how did the Fitchburg Art Museum fit into that context? How did it get to, get its support? And who came here? I, I think it was the you know the uh, the great families of Fitchburg mm-hmm. um, were the trustees initially and the supporters of of the institution. It, it opened as. I believe the Fitchburg Art 
Association. Uh A few years later became the Fitchburg Art Center, and they didn't call it a museum formally until, I think, 1950. Ah, okay. So a a lot of artists, practicing artists, were involved? Yes, uh, because I I, I believe that... you know, when they opened the museum, I think they opened a school simultaneously. Mm. So they had the classes and workshops, and right. there were a lot of exhibitions of um, local artists. You know, uh, people from from the region, as mm. well as you know other kinds of exhibitions. Right. Um, so I think for for the visual arts, it was it was the happening place in North Central Massachusetts. Right. Wow! And as the museum expanded and and collected, what kind of collection did it? A mass during that time well, period. I, I think um, for for a long time it was it was a hodgepodge. It was kind of the, the catch as catch can. Um, mm-hmm. It tried to build upon Eleanor Norcross's original collection, which was primarily American and European decorative arts, works on paper, and paintings. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that the various directors over the years would would take anything they of of cultural or aesthetic value. Mm-hmm. Fitchburg itself has changed considerably over the course of time, and it hit a very, uh, shall we call it a rough patch in what, uh, maybe the 60s or, or yeah, thereabouts? Yeah, 60s through and, the 80s. It's, you know, it's when the global manufacturing economy changed, and it's the same story with, you know, all these places that they now euphemistically call gateway cities in <laughs> Massachusetts. We are the proverbial dying New England mill town. Right. And so how does the museum now fit into this landscape? Ah, uh, <laughs> Let's put it this way. Uh, you know, as we were saying, Fitchburg was a very successful city for a long time. And then when the economy changed, the, the people of the city of Fitchburg spent the first 20 years freaking out yeah. as yeah. they watched all this slide away. Then they spent the next 20 years trying to figure out how to make it what it used to be. Mm. Make Fitchburg great again. <laughs> yeah, but 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 on the old model, right? You know, which was not going to happen. That train mm-hmm. had left the station, and the station had burned down. Mm-hmm. It's within the past five or ten years that the energy in the city has moved towards figuring out what to do with this city for the century that we're actually in, mm. and the art museum because we've we've been here for a long time. Uh, we're a trusted institution within the community. We're s- and because most cities the size of Fitchburg don't have any museum, right. much less, you know, one of the scale of the Fitchburg Art Museum. We are part of a group of nonprofits and businesses and government officials that are working really hard to affect, you know, economic revitalization in the city. Hmm. What are some of the plans then? Well, I know that there there are some you know fairly standard municipal things like tearing down derelict buildings, mm. you know, just getting rid of the junk, yeah, um, getting rid of the blight. The city and Fitchburg State University and the art museum are working on um, creating a cultural master plan for mm-hmm. the city of Fitchburg. So there are all, all these different things that are going on in the city, and we want to make sure that they're coordinated and we create some kind of synergy rather than mm-hmm. all these one-off. Right. Things that wind right. up having very little impact. Right, right. Big goal being your artist's live work studio. Yeah, that's project. one of that's yeah, yeah, that's one of the main things that the art museum is focused on. So, Tell about that a little bit. Okay, so the art museum we take up an entire city block 
in the middle of downtown Fitchburg. Mm. And right across the street from us, right across Elm Street, is the, uh, the B.F. Brown Middle School which actually was built just about the same time as the art museum right. in the 1920s. It didn't fare quite as well. Yeah. They, <laughs> well, it, it's, Let me paint a picture here. A lot of broken glass, a lot of plywood. Yeah. The, 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 uh, it was an active middle school until about 10 years ago. Yeah. And then there are two other contiguous municipal properties – there's an old, the old Fitchburg High School from the 18th, it's an 1860s mansard roof building. Mm-hmm. And then from the 1880s, there is a brick barn, a, an enormous barn. It was the Fitchburg Municipal Stables where they kept the city horses. Yeah. And the art museum is working in collaboration with another nonprofit called New View Communities, which is a community development corporation. Mm-hmm. And their mission is affordable housing and community development. So we're working with them to transform all three buildings into a campus of 55 units of affordable artist apartment and studio rentals. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And that that's the that's the sort of municipal project that it's closest to my heart and is the most important for the museum. You know, on a small scale, we don't want a boarded up building across right. from the museum yeah, because we're yeah. trying to attract folks from outside the community. We're trying yeah. to uh, attract an audience from Boston and Metro West. And, you know, I, we can't have a situation where, where people come here and they come to the museum and they have a good time. And then they go home and they tell their friends, well, it was all very nice, but I was afraid to get out of the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, boarded up building says danger, danger. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we certainly want to make that go away. And that, but the, the flip side of all this is that it's an enormous opportunity for the city of Fitchburg. If we can bring 75 to 100 educated, creative, entrepreneurial people to live, work, dine, and shop in downtown Fitchburg, yeah. that can be a tipping point for the city. And I'm not suggesting that creative economy is the answer right. for Fitchburg. But it has to be part of a larger answer. It has to be part of a more broad-based look at economic development. Because, you know, studies show that if you're trying to attract workforce, you have to have amenities right. for the workers and their families. And and Fitchburg has to compete with a lot of towns and cities in New England that have those amenities. Yeah, yeah. Tell me a little bit about the transformation of the museum under your guidance. You've been here for four years. You have uh, a contemporary art background. Right. What does it feel like to be the director of an institution like this? <laughs> Before I was here, I, w- I was a curator at the Decor de Sculpture Park and Museum in Lincoln, Massachusetts for, um, let us say, a very long time. <laughs> and when I first came here, people said, well, what's, what's the big change? What's the big challenge? And it, it wasn't really going from curator to director because I kind of knew what that was all mm. about. But it was the change in communities. Yeah. You know, Lincoln, Massachusetts is one of the most privileged places on planet Earth. <laughs> And Fitchburg is, as I said, the proverbial dying New England mill town, and they're yeah, very different right. places. And the communities have different needs and desires. And this is a community that really needs all the help it can get and desires to have the art museum participate in mm. that. So we have been charged, the, the current administration and staff of the museum has been charged with having the museum participate more robustly in the revitalization of the city of Fitchburg. Mm. And that's what we're doing. 
And this ranges from small things to large projects like that artist housing project we yeah. were talking about. We have become one of the first uh, bilingual English-Spanish uh, language mu- art museums in the country hmm. because if we're going to serve the community, it, we're going to serve everybody in the so community. So what does that mean? You have bilingual labels? Yeah, and, bilingual uh, labels. We have a bilingual receptionist, so uh, everyone who comes in can be greeted and I, and, and right. spoken to yeah. in either English or Spanish. We also have some Spanish language programs. Mm-hmm. We do um, exhibitions and other content that is geared to the Latino community. Not all the time, but some of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, we work in collaboration with another nonprofit, um, the United Neighbors of Fitchburg, which is the primary service organization for Latino and Latino immigrant families in the city, because we're, we're, we're here for everybody. I have to tell you, when I approached your building and I saw the giant murals, bilingual murals, welcoming literally everybody, <laughs> isn't that the phrase? I was very impressed. Yeah, that's what because it says. A lot of times, right. yeah, it just says, well, everybody's welcome and uh, in two different languages. And, and you know, sometimes the perception of a museum is this uh, sort of temple up, uh, you know, on the hill with a bunch of granite and, you know, statuary and whatever. It says, don't enter here unless you know what you're doing. This yeah, place, no, guys, we're not uh, doing that. Yeah. That model, well, it's old fashioned. And it's a model that's not going to work in Fitchburg. Mm, There there isn't a need for that kind of institution. Mm. We have to be a different kind of institution. Right. And your background in contemporary art, you're uh, tracing that down as a a source of the future for you as well, right? Right. So one of the things that we've decided to do is to embark on an ongoing series of exhibitions devoted to contemporary New England artists. Mm large-scale, both group and solo exhibitions with exhibition catalogs, you know, a a full-fledged program. Juried shows? Some, yeah, we have an annual, Mm. we have the the regional exhibition of art and craft, which this coming summer will be our 82nd year. Wow. So there's a tradition that's not going to change. And that's for, that's for the really local artists. That's for artists who live or work within 30 miles of Fitchburg. Mm -hmm. So that kind of anchors the program. But then every fall and every spring, we do these shows that include artists from, you know, the six New England states. And we've done that for a lot of reasons. One of the reasons is that when, when I first came to Massachusetts in 1990, all the art museums had room in their schedule somewhere for uh, local and regional artists, and mm. that has dwindled. We are, we are almost the last man standing. Mm-hmm. How does your contemporary art focus and you know, even just having the art museum in this area resonate with the folks that actually live around here? Um, we are not looking to show extremely conceptual, minimal, or abstruse work. Mm. That's just not going to fly here. Mm. So the work that we tend to focus on is overtly beautiful or visually engaging or provides some kind of level of spectacle, something that's fun to come and mm-hmm. see. Yeah. We also we do not speak down to our viewers. So what we've been doing, just on the nuts and bolts level, rather than putting up lots of wall text, um, we'll provide little notebooks with ancillary text. So if you mm. want some explanation, yep. it's there, but but you're, the first thing you're doing is looking at the artwork. And we found that people spend more time looking at the artwork. People are, you know, people are smart. Yeah. They, and, and if they don't have someone hectoring at them... Yeah. They'll actually spend time with the artwork and take it in before they 
go looking for the context. And I guess as an analog to that question, then how is the reaction to the concept of having artists live work studios here in town too? Because I'm imagining that that's a different type of resident that we're proposing. Right. And at, at first, when the idea was first floated, it was a little controversial only because people here were not familiar with that model. There mm. isn't any other artist housing or artist studio building in North Central Massachusetts. Right. So people just didn't know what it was. And people were not familiar with contemporary artists and who who they were and how they behave and what kind of, you know, culture it is. Yeah, yeah. And so it took a certain amount of education. And I think now that I'm thinking of it, I think part of the ex- of the education was this exhibition program, you know, mm-hmm. where people could come and see and feel comfortable and 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 not feel threatened or alienated or patronized. Yeah, yeah. So it it all it all kind of works hand in hand. And then the other thing we've been doing with our exhibition program, we we've tried to make elements of it more relevant to the folks in the region. So part of that is the the Latino programs we've been doing mm-hmm. just you know some latino artists and we did a an uruguayan film festival those mm-hmm. were direct appeals to that community but we also sat down one day and thought well how can we make these shows more reflective of things in the community that people care about mm-hmm. and we came up with this idea of doing a series of exhibitions that link con- loosely mm-hmm. but that link contemporary art practice to this region's industrial heritage. Hmm. So we started this in the fall of 2016 with a show called Plastic Imagination. Ah, Pink Flamingos. That's right, right exactly. <laughs> because the Pink Flamingo was invented in 1957 <laughs> in Lemonster, Massachusetts by an artist named Don Featherstone. Hmm. And, and so the idea was we, we, our, our curator chose you know, 10 different artists from around New England who work in plastic. And it was a way for people to feel comfortable with what they were looking at because they were already halfway there because they yeah. already understood the industry and right. the product and the material. So it, it, it wasn't that big a leap to go from that to what can a bunch of really creative people do with this material? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it was very successful. And we're going to follow this up in two years with furniture. Yeah. Because the city of Gardner, which is right down the road, was in the early part of the 20th century, the furniture capital of the United States. And a couple of years after that, we'll do paper because Fitchburg was a paper town Hmm. in large part. So let's shift gears for a second to talk about you. Enough about me. Let's talk about. <laughs> uh oh. Um, no, I'm I'm very curious. Uh, you know, you mentioned all of these collaborations that you're doing and so forth. So this, is this something that is new to you being a collaborator or is this something that you've always been? This is new to me. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, it in I I really did not know what I was getting myself well, into. Well, I was going to ask like what did what did you think <laughs> 10 years ago, 15? What what did you imagine your career was going to look like? Oh, I, I thought I was going to remain a curator. Yeah. You know, um, but I you know, but then I grew I grew older. Mm. And, you know, you get to the point or at least I got to the point in my career where I wanted to lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this afforded me that opportunity. I did not realize when I took this job just how community involved we were going to be. I knew mm. the trustees wanted it. I knew we'd figure it out. It's so different from places I've worked in the past yeah. um, where the community connection, the, the community didn't have a need, mm. really. Yeah. Um, 
in my experience with institutional collaborations in the past, say with other museums, we did that for a while, but then we, it was more work than it was worth yeah. for the most part, you know, <laughs> and there was always a fight about money. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and But I found that in Fitchburg, before I got here, there existed a culture of collaboration amongst nonprofits, certainly, mm-hmm. and the city. Because people had realized that you can't go it alone in North Central Massachusetts. There aren't the resources for everyone to um, succeed individually. Got to circle the wagons. Yeah, yeah. And and work with strong partners. You know, the the perfect example is this artist housing project. I don't know anything about creating housing. That's Hmm. not my training. It's not my background. And the, uh, the Community Development Corporation doesn't know anything about art and artists. Yeah. So it's nothing that either of us could do independently, but together, not only we can we do it, but we can do a great job. How have you grown as a leader since you've taken this job? Wow. Um, I think I've grown a lot. I think, here's what I've learned. Let's put it that way. I've learned, I've learned to listen, which I think is the most important part of being a leader you don't know where to go or what to do until you know what the context is and what people want and what people expect and what people are willing to do and not willing to do and mm-hmm. you don't get that information until you shut up yeah um i think the most important thing we did here after i got here was to create what we call a mentoring culture so that everybody on our staff is teaching each other all the time. Hmm. And we can hire staff. We've, we've hired a whole bunch of people straight out of the museum studies program, their first museum jobs. Hmm. And we get these really bright, really energetic people. And in return for all that, you know, uh, mental firepower, we commit to teach them how to do this hmm. and how to be effective professionals and, we, and I know they're not going to stay here forever, and right. they shouldn't. And we make a commitment to them that when they move on, we will help them find their next job yeah. and move them along. And that has worked beautifully, not only you know on the internal level where we maintain this very humane work environment, but it also dovetails with our commitment to community because it's all about people caring for each other. Yeah. And we and I've learned that there there there's no more important management tool or leadership tool than treating people like human beings. <laughs> I've read somewhere where it says a lot about an executive what the, the people are saying about him or her behind his or her <laughs> back. What do you think people are actually saying about you on your staff? I I know that my staff is very happy to have a place where they can do good work that they can be proud of and where they always feel safe. Yeah. And I'm proud of setting that up. Yeah. If there was one moment of one day that stands out in your head since you started here that was especially satisfying, what was that moment? That was the day when the Fitchburg City Council approved the sale of the three buildings across the street to the Community Development Corporation yeah. so we could move on this artist project. Because that... that that took a lot of work. That yeah. took a lot of education and conversations and patience and listening. And when they voted 11 to 1 to do this, that was very gratifying. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, 
Where do you think the Fitchburg Art Museum is going to be in, say, 20 years? 20 years? <laughs> that I, I can't see over that horizon because a lot of that, I think, depends will depend on the economy. Hmm. You know, Fitchburg, um, you know, as a struggling old manufacturing town, when we when the country has a recession, we have a depression, mm. and that's what happened in two thousand and eight. We had a depression yeah. in Fitchburg, and we're only climbing out of it now. So, are you concerned that any little tweak of the economy could impact your vision for the live work studios for oh, yeah. success it, it, of the it'll, museum? It'll impact everything. Yeah. Mm. It'll impact everything, and we'll just have to roll with the punches and keep going. You know, fortunately, no matter what happens, we'll be here because, you know, my my predecessor, uh, he built a great physical plant, and he built an endowment, and those are the two keys to sustainability for, mm. for a museum. Yeah. Um, so this pla- we're not going anywhere. What we are able to achieve is going to depend on the economy. Yeah. In a 20-year timeline that's really hard to predict (laughs) you know and the way things are going right now i don't know if we can predict it over the next six months so so what's your next move you here for a while you think yeah i've committed you know we just did a strategic planning process for five years i have committed to uh, implementing the plan Mm -hmm. you know and then we'll see where we are it's important for me to be transparent and to do what i say that i'm going to do and and also you know this is this is my first museum director job yeah Mm. I need, if I want another one someday, I need to be able to prove that I accomplished something here. Mm. And the strategic plan is the roadmap for for making those accomplishments. Mm. Yeah. Well, good luck. This is uh, such an exciting place and, uh, you know, so many challenges. But, you know, to me, and you sound like you're a lot like me, challenges are what it's all about. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, uh, the the alternative to being busy is very unattractive. Right, right. I hear you. (laughs) Thank you, Nick. Good luck. Thank you very much. One of the things that I thought was very interesting is their commitment to bilingual programs and uh, labeling. Of course. Know thy audience. It's the number one rule. What that does is it tells people that they're welcome. As a matter of fact, there's this mural on the side of the building that says, in two languages, everyone's welcome here. Exactly. There's no confusion there. We want you here. And that states immediately, this is not your grandfather's art museum. That's right. Well, it's heartening to see, though, because the museum itself is... uh, is really committed to the community, but they're also very much committed to excellence in the arts uh, and you know bringing the kinds of programming that's not pandering to the community, but taking the community into consideration. Yeah, this is, I took a community arts in the community class in grad school, and it seems like Nick is, he's checking off the list, right? Understand who your community is get individuals from your community involved with your museum, ask them what they think, hire them, Mm. make them feel comfortable, start building exhibits for them, make sure your board is engaged and on board. It sounds like, um, so 
Nick and I were on a panel together at the last NEMA conference. He's a delightful person, and mm. he's really got it going on there in Fitchburg. And it sounds like he was hired as a change agent, mm. which is helpful. Yeah. Um, but I suspect it, even in that in that capacity, there's always someone who may be opposed to what you're trying to do. And yeah. I wonder what challenges he faced. Yes, he described his board as being very supportive of what he's trying to do, which is to make this place... Uh, totally embedded in the community in a very positive way and contributing to the future of the community. And I think a lot of the board members see that as really what the mission of this museum is, not only to display art, but also to help that bigger picture, help that community turn itself around because they're very much committed to the community. And I love to hear that. They seem to all be, you know, there is not a lot of argument about, okay, we're going to just pull inward and, you know, double down on our collection and, you know, the same old, same old. They seem very committed to really opening the place up to audiences that might not have been welcome there a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Nick did say, however, that they are operating from a position of strength, Mm -hmm. which is where if we're going to take lessons from Fitchburg and apply them to everybody, perhaps it's not quite the same. They're operating from a strong endowment, a strong physical plant that uh, was put together by um, Nick's predecessor, Peter Timms, uh, who was there for uh, a long time. Yeah. And, you know, became a big, uh, you know, part of the community. But their institution itself is, is operating from a position of strength. I think he said, we're not going anywhere. So you can do a lot of things. You can take a lot of risks exactly. in that regard if you've got the knowledge that, okay, what, uh, you know, how bad can this be? So they're proposing uh, this really incredible project of the uh, 55 units of uh, affordable live work studio space for artists, literally right across the street from the museum. So as a risk proposition, like how much is at risk there? I don't think they're really putting up any money, but there's certainly a lot of social capital that they're expending time, staff time, and the like in in operating it. But if you don't have to worry about, gee, I need to be spending more of my, every project needs to be some kind of uh, a revenue producer, that allows you to be collaborative. Exactly. Having that safety net is is something very, many organizations dream of, and the ability to take risks and yeah. Um, and have the attitude that he has. I love that he said that he's okay with his staff turning over. Yeah. And, you know, many of us are just like, no, that costs money every right. time a staff yeah. member leaves. We can't do that. We just have to keep being okay with what we have. And he's he can be okay with a cycle of things. Mm. Um, many of us can't. What did you think about his attitude towards his staff and his mentoring culture? Right up your alley, joyful museum person. <laughs> He wants to make sure that everybody feels that they have a stake in teaching everybody else. Everybody's a mentor. Everybody's a teacher. I love that mentality. Yeah. Absolutely. Because it's it's managing up. It's managing down. It's managing sideways. It's But it's 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 this, this, this idea that you have something to share with someone and you have something to gain from someone else. It's it's a mentality, it's a way of life. Mm. And also this idea of even though you are old and experienced, that you're done learning, which we all know is not true. That's why we're all in museums. We all believe in lifelong learning. Mm. And that's something that applies to 
our staff, it applies to those uh, soft skills of, of um, interpersonal relationships that you don't learn in school. Yeah. So kudos to Nick for, for pushing that and for saying that that's a thing, that this is something important that his staff works on. I well, 100% it, agree. Yeah, you know, it, it just, it has a great atmosphere there. And I also like the idea that he's very upfront with, uh, the idea that he's going to lose people, there's going to be staff turnover, that they're going to move, they're going to help. He wants to help you find your next job. That's pretty open-minded for a leader because as you have said, it costs money to hire and train. So that's yeah. pretty cool. But he's also thinking for the larger museum community, I think. So often we are just concerned with our own institutions, but people go away and then they come back. And, and when they come back, they come back better. Mm-hmm. And I think it is important to promote everyone in your organization. If they if they want to leave, that means they're not happy. So let them go, uh, or try to work with them to get them to be happier. And if they want to stay, that's awesome. And and encourage them and give them the skills to become better where they are. Yeah. Well, we've talked about this on other episodes that there are some museums and some museum leaders specifically that are just known for cultivating people and training them and sending them out into the field. You know, a number of folks that have just, they're known for that. And it's very magnetic. And we need more folks like that, I think. Absolutely, especially because we don't pay our museum workers enough. Right. Well, that's what he was saying, that he recognizes that they can't afford a lot there in Fitchburg, Massachusetts. But what you're going to get if you're there as a young uh, museum professional, you're going to get a humane work environment. You're going to get a lot of mentoring and training and showing you how to do it. And then you're going to be able to move on to a place that, you know, is a little bit more uh, remunerative, perhaps. But, you know, it's a, well, very, very open-minded to him. Yeah. It's cool. Nick's a great guy, and I'm, I'm thankful for what he's doing for the field. I, I firmly believe in the, the rising tide lifts all boats yeah. mentality, especially here in New England. There's so much that we're doing that actually reflects on other organizations, whether they want it to or not. In the mm. public's eye, the public perception of museums, we're just one thing. Yeah. We're one entity. So when one of us fails, we kind of all fail. Right. It's unfortunate, but when we all do well, everyone thinks we're awesome. Yeah. So that's right. what we strive for. I have to sign off, Dan. That's my... That's a wrap. Somebody's knocking at the door. I got to go, everybody. See you, museum people. See you in season four. (laughs) Bye. Museum People is a production of the New England Museum Association, which connects, inspires, and empowers cultural institutions to provide their communities with deep and authentic experiences. Have an idea or comment for museum people? Go to nemanet.org slash museumpeople to provide feedback, get information about episodes, and learn how to subscribe. Thanks for listening.